Welcome to What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast with your host, Gigi. This is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of Bitcoin through the personal experiences and stories of those who have taken the dive down the rabbit hole. We explore Bitcoin stories with a diverse range of guests from early adopters, miners, traders, and maximalists. So join us on this exciting journey of past, present, and future Bitcoin, one story at a time. The following episode's audio has been modified due to the request of the guest of absolute anonymity. Enjoy the episode. I'm sure that in 20 years, there will either be very large transaction volume or no volume at all. Satoshi Nakamoto. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the captivating realm of what is your Bitcoin story podcast. Today, we have with us Barney who has stepped into the thrilling world of Bitcoin back in 2016 and eventually diving deep into the industry as a true professional. Brace yourself as we embark on a mesmerizing journey into Barney's captivating Bitcoin story. Barney, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, so let's... uh, uh, with no further ado, let's let's jump into to the big question. So, Barney, what is your Bitcoin story? Hey, I think the actual question should be, what are your Bitcoin stories? Because <laughs> I've interacted with Bitcoin in various ways that are completely separated from one another. Um, but yeah, really, my first touching point with Bitcoin was around 2016. Um, when I was trying to, yeah, to buy certain goods from uh, a certain dark net. Um, and back then the main currency to, to use was Bitcoin. Um, today it's not really, I mean, you can still buy stuff with Bitcoin, but really everyone uses Monero these days for privacy reasons. But back then Bitcoin was the thing that you needed if you wanted to buy something, uh, without censorship. And um, yeah, this was my first touching point and really the first time I've heard about it. And the first time also I, I realized, hey, this is something that could have quite a potential um, in the financial space as an investment tool, um, as a store of value and just, yeah, to make an international transaction. Amazing. So from my understanding how, how, how your first, let's say, Bitcoin story journey started, it was actually as a means to pay to get some uh, illegal goods from uh, a certain dark web. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So back then, I don't even think there were any exchanges. Like there was obviously Mount Gox that had already collapsed at that point. Um, there was one, like there were these a lot of these smaller Bitcoin platforms where you could really uh, get Bitcoin easily, but it was very high fees. Um, I, I think actually you would send the money and they would just buy Bitcoin on your behalf and then transfer it to your wallet. It wasn't instant in any way, shape or form. It, it probably took like half a day to get the Bitcoin. Um, and you would buy them. Uh, I think it was a Dutch platform. And, um, then you could send that to, uh, uh, markets on the dark net and there you could, um, yeah, basically order whatever you want. So obviously I wasn't interested in any uh, dangerous stuff like uh, weapons, um, but more on the 
Yeah, on the substance side. So Recre recreational medication. Yeah, let's call it that. Sure. Um, <laughs> so no yeah. need to disclose in particulars, but okay, very interesting. Yeah, and I found very intriguing because before, if you wanted to get this stuff, you had to deal with very shady people. Like I remember, I used to buy uh, uh, cannabis from, yeah, basically from street dealers. Not really on the street it was more like a friend knew someone and they knew someone and then you would meet somewhere it was always like a complete rip off and you would go somewhere with the car and then wait 10 hours because the dude didn't show up and uh, then eventually he did show up and the stuff was pretty bad and it was always underweight there was always struggle and um, also these people were quite shady so like I'm a very peaceful person. I would, I, I really despise violence, and the people you deal with there, uh, you know, probably they carry knives and um, they're kind of like more serious people um, that I really don't want to deal with, to be honest. So I was really happy when I heard about this opportunity to essentially order stuff online using Bitcoin. Back then, you know, it wasn't really that anyone could have traced it uh, or anyone would have invested the. Um, Let's say the time that is needed to really figure out where transactions went and what happened to them, especially if it's not like big amounts. I mean, this was all for personal consumption. So I'm not really worried about that. Obviously, today I wouldn't do it uh, with Bitcoin at least. Um, there's just too many tools now. We can easily replicate that and probably, um, you know, wallets are marked. So if you send stuff around, um, someone figures out, hey, this was sent to Dark Marketplace and it come, can come back to you. So I wouldn't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but back then it was the best option. And it was really, uh, it had a profound impact because we were suddenly able to get really good stuff without any uh, mixed in things you don't want. So it was very clean. It was a fair price. There was absolutely no interaction whatsoever with any shady people. Um, and we had a great time, uh, me and my friends, uh, and we, we did that for quite a while. And I mean, back then it was like, Bitcoin was less than a thousand, uh, dollars a coin. Um, and I really, back then I really just viewed it as a means of transaction. So I bought Bitcoin. I sent it directly to exchange, uh, to, to marketplaces. I bought stuff. I left something on the marketplaces until I need something else. And that went on for like uh a year i would say all right so from what i'm getting as 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 i mentioned so your first interaction with bitcoin was as a, as a source of means of payment so as satoshi's white paper is it rules out it peer-to-peer -peer cash right you use it purely as a as a means of payment not as a speculative instrument or so to say a a, a future investment savings vehicle right correct yeah so okay let, let, let's carry on with your story so you said you 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 were using bitcoin since somewhere mid 2016 for a year year and a half uh to, to purchase your goods and then what happened um yeah so then there was around late 2016 so actually i think the the bitcoin stuff started probably already in late 2015 um mm -hmm. but by late 2016 i knew because obviously I saw whenever I bought Bitcoin, hey, the price changes. Back then it was generally going upwards. Um, so I, I already noticed, you know, there's a huge potential in Bitcoin. But 
as most people, I thought, hey, I'm already too late <laughs> to buy Bitcoin um, because it was more than a thousand dollars then. Uh, and you think, you know, it went from basically pennies to a thousand. Yeah. There's no way in hell it's going to go higher, right? Um, <laughs> but then I saw an article about uh, the new uh, thing that's apparently better than Bitcoin and has so much more capabilities. And that was Ethereum. Um, and I was following Ethereum a little bit. And then the situation with, uh, like the, the fork happened with Ether Classic and there was some security issue, I think. And that really made uh, Ethereum go downhill. Um, and at that point, I was in class with a, with a friend and I told him, hey, look, Ethereum is like uh, six six euros uh, a coin um, we have to get in now um, and that's what we did so we invested whatever money we had at that time so like one two thousand euros uh, max that's all we had uh, went all in and um, yeah didn't worry about it at all left it there for some time put it on a, a paper wallet um, mm -hmm. and then early 2017 suddenly you know everything changed and and this coin i had was was growing in value so dramatically you know suddenly you you went from being a, a poor student to having upwards of 30 50k um, and that was only the beginning of 2017. um so obviously once that happened i was really really drawn into this whole crypto space and started to to really focus a lot on, on researching new coins, buying new coins. I, I went, got really early into Ripple when it was uh, less than a cent. Um, I got a few other really cool coins that, that went on to become very valuable. Also some coins that didn't <laughs> turn out to be so good. Um, but overall it went quite well. Uh, mid 2017, I got also into the ICO uh, hype. So invested in a lot of ICOs. Most of them, they, they were pretty shitty, to be honest. Um, they didn't turn out well. Some of them turned out really well. Um, so that even it out. And by the end of 2017, when there was another push happening during New Year's, um, that's really when, when the value started to add up to uh, more than six-figure values. So it's like pretty high. And at that point, I started to think, hey, maybe I want a career in crypto. Um, or at least work with the sector because obviously there's tremendous amount of value that can be generated. Um, and also I really like the tech. Like I said, I've used it in the beginning just for utility purposes. So um, obviously it has utility, even though that was kind of like illegal activity. Um, there's obviously utility beyond that. So that's really when I started to, to think about um, getting into it professionally. I see. I see. So... Basically, Bitcoin was was your 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 first sort of say cryptocurrency that you got in out of convenience and, and kind of means to pay to to get your goods. And then with the growth of of the overall market and and seeing essentially prices rise and as you said, getting into Ethereum uh, fairly early on, um, you then essentially went to tamper with other altcoins and and went that down that journey. Now. Um, my question would be, while you were, so to say, trading with, with other alts was, did you see Bitcoin in a different light or Bitcoin was just to you another cryptocurrency in, in your portfolio? Um, I think that the, the, the view on Bitcoin has always changed. Um, 
as as time went on. So at first, like obviously Bitcoin was a major thing. Then Ethereum started happening and started popping. And at that point I was thinking, yeah, Bitcoin is probably going to be some kind of like that was the narrative, you know, Bitcoin is mm -hmm. going to be some kind of gold, but other coins are going to be way more useful and valuable. Um, and I was like, I have to admit, man, I, I was really sucked in by all those projects that were promising the world and making all those claims. We're going to do this. We're going to reinvent this, revolutionize that. Um, and I believed it like many did. Um, and I didn't anticipate um, the bear market that was happening in 2018. Like I really didn't think that that could happen. Um, mm. Like because of all the people, you know, like Julian Hosp and, and, and other influencers, they were like, you would trust them if they say, yeah, this is going to be so huge and we're heading to Bitcoin 100K this year and all that stuff. Uh, obviously, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like 18, 19, 20, uh, no experience in investing. Um, I, I thought I knew what I was doing, but really <laughs> uh, no one knew what they were doing. So I just stayed in all these shit coins. And um, when the basically when the bear market in 2018 started to happen, uh, that's when I changed my view again and really thought, okay, Bitcoin seems to be the most, um, by far the most important coin uh, has achieved the most um, and has a, still like the long, the best long-term potential. Um, but in today's time, and, and that's something I can go in later, I still think Bitcoin is without a doubt, you know, leader of the pack by a huge mile. But I also think um, in, at the moment, there's other needs that Bitcoin can't meet in terms of transactions because of the value. So right now, I think we really need those stable coins, USDT, and so on. Um, just using the blockchain infrastructure, uh, because yeah, if you run a business, you can't deal with rising and decreasing prices all the time. Um, so that is really needed to to be stable. That might change though in the future. So hopefully, we will have. Um, we will not need to rely on on, on fiat back coins um, or maybe something like a gold back. But yeah, this is essentially my view on it right now. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. It's as a business today, it's it's really hard to just be on a living on a Bitcoin standard and operating on a Bitcoin standard because prices fluctuate literally second to second. Um, so yeah, at the moment, as the price is volatile, it's 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 fairly hard to be accepting. Uh, payment as as uh, in the means of Bitcoin, for example. So, I, from what I understand, you, you work essentially in well, m not not so to say exactly in the crypto industry, but you work with crypto in uh, crypto companies, and I guess you do get paid in in cryptocurrency, right? Yeah. So we we started the company uh, in in mid twenty eighteen. Um, that was focused on servicing customers that are crypto companies. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, basically provide various services to them. And usually, like in the beginning, we would only focus on blockchain clients, and they would pay us in uh, in crypto. Usually, that was USDT. Sometimes other coins. Um, have you yeah. ever had Have you ever had any clients trying to to pay for 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 your service fee in Bitcoin or no? Yeah, actually, I, I did have, but uh, funny enough, that wasn't. Um, strictly from the crypto space so i had another oh, business wow. <laughs> um which was working with cannabis clients 
and one of our cannabis clients in uh, Canada, they always wanted to pay in Bitcoin. Um, and that was a good move because I never changed, like I didn't swap those Bitcoin into US dollars or euros. Um, and they ended up uh, increasing in value because that was right around the low of the 2018, 2019 bear market. Um, but yeah, obviously it's always a risk if you accept Bitcoin and you know, you're, you're, you can't really calculate that it will go up unless you're in like mm -hmm. a really hot bear market, uh, bull market. Um, so usually what I would do is I would just switch, uh, whatever crypto I'm getting. Sometimes I'm getting paid in different tokens, but yeah, I'm just swapping that straight into USD, um, unless it's like a really hot market. I see. Make, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So now fast forwarding to the current period in time, the year of 2023, um, I presume most of your clients pay you in, in stable coins, right? There is no more clients that are, that want to pay in Bitcoin, right? Um, yeah, not in Bitcoin. We did have one client pay us. Uh, it was a crypto project. They paid us in their native token, which was also listed, mm -hmm. um, on exchanges. So I would just swap it. And every now and then, you know, we would get some, uh, like native coins as a bonus, uh, or as part of a payment. Um, uh, some of them we held a little bit, others we sold directly. Um, but yeah, most of like the vast majority of times it's going to be in stable coins, USDT, USDC, um, yeah, no BUSD. <laughs> uh, people try to pay with it, but well, I don't use Binance, so I couldn't accept them. I gotcha. All right. Um, now my, my next question is, so, so sticking to the Bitcoin narrative, um, do you today in, in the year of 2023 and having the business for, for over five years now, do you hold any Bitcoin on your balance sheet? Um, yeah, I do. I, not on the company balance sheet, but on my private balance sheet, I'm holding, um, not a huge amount of Bitcoin small. I'm looking mm -hmm. to add to that, uh, when I see an improvement in the market. So I try to time it a little bit. I'm not a professional trader by any means, but, um, no I'm financial advice to, on this podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking to limit my exposure to volatile assets at the moment. It's a, it's a volatile time anyway, volatile economic situation. Um, I but I'm definitely looking to increase my exposure once I see promising movements in the markets, even if that means I will miss out, uh, on, on some of the way upwards. I see. So. Going back to your personal narrative on Bitcoin, um, as you said, your story started off, you, you use it as a means of payment. And then over the years, as, as you matured and the market matured, then kind of your understanding and belief in, in today coin changed. And as you said, today, you see it as a means of wealth preservation and essentially as, as a, as a long-term life savings. Do you think there's going to be a part um in the future at some point where actually you're gonna retract back to actually using bitcoin as a means of payments and pay for stuff in bitcoin or do you think bitcoin will always to you personally be as a kind of means of savings and you know you just have it as a as a backup mm, i would say that really depends on how things move forward so generally and that's one thing i really want to stress um i think the blockchain-based payment processing that Bitcoin invented um, is a huge value uh, for global transactions. Like, like I said, we serve clients from all around the world hmm. and you can't imagine how often we, we come into problems when clients from 
overseas try to pay us. Uh, it's ridiculous. First of all, the fees are insane. So even for a swift transfer, you're paying around uh, 40 to 50 bucks. Um, wow. Crazy. Um, secondly, they take ages. And third, <laughs> at least in 25% of times when people try to pay us from overseas, uh, so non-domestic payments, there's going to be an issue. Either there's some minor detail that didn't work out or the miscommunication between the SWIFT providers, payment gets sent back. But recently, we had another client from Asia. They tried to pay us um, with US dollars via the SWIFT network. And um, man, it was a shit show. It, it took us two months until we finally figured out what happened to that payment and got it paid. Because the thing is, if you make a transaction with the SWIFT network and it goes out and it doesn't arrive anywhere, for sure it is somewhere and the banks can locate it, but banks, they don't want to locate it um, because it's, uh, it's a lot of effort for them. You know, they need to invest time, they need to research. So they always try to blame it on the other party involved. Um, and that's what happened with us. So one bank was saying, yeah, we don't, we can't do nothing. You go need to go to your to the other bank, then we went to that bank and they said the same thing. Then we called intermediary bank, literally, uh, my business partner called them in the US on the phone and was asking about the transactions. <laughs> and they tried to help, but they couldn't as well. Um, so yeah, eventually we figured it out, but it was so much time that, that came into this. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, it's not the first time we had issues. So this is ridiculous. At the same time, you know, people want to pay with uh paypal or pioneer or all these uh payment processors that charge an insane amount of money where you pay like five to ten percent um in fees um wow. so yes yeah, transaction so like, fee, right huh the the processing fees like five to ten percent yeah no for paypal it's like um when you get a payment from someone not in your country or not in the same currency you're yeah. paying like four and a half percent just to get the payment as processing fee. And then you need to uh, convert it sure. because you can only withdraw your own currency where your company is registered. So if we're accepting US dollars and we're in Europe, um, we need to yeah, convert it essentially if we want to, to get it in our bank account. And that's another 4% uh, wow. conversion fee. Um, so yeah, this is insane. Uh, obviously, it's not something I want to support. So whenever we get a chance to get a payment in USDT, um, it's always a breeze. You know, it's basically instant. We use the Tron network, which I know isn't the best in terms of decentralization, but right now it's extremely convenient and that's what we're looking for. And I think it's reasonably safe to use at the moment. Um, and, and that's the other part, by the way, which I really like about crypto is um, you will get a lot of alternatives that you can use and it's very easy to switch um, it's not like where you need to every time you need to open a fucking bank account and go through the KYC and everything um, to send something. There's there's always some other exchanges where you can easily register. They have multiple networks where you can send your money from or through. Um, you can switch stable coins if you don't like one. Back then there was thought about USDT, so people would just use USDC. Now it's kind of the other way around. Um, so there's really a lot of competition, which I think is great. And there's a lot of innovation taking place. So, um, yeah, that's why I'm saying it depends on how things develop. You know, if, if like the US dollar collapses uh, or, you know, 
comes into volatility issues too, then Bitcoin might be the more stable option. It might be more reasonable to use. Um, mm. Personally, I think it would be the, the most likely solution is if there's a new kind of stable coin, which is kind of like DAI, uh, so backed by uh, digital assets, backed by Bitcoin. Um, but obviously, as, as we've seen, you know, there needs to be, this needs to be properly tested. Maybe it doesn't work at all. Um, I would only use that if I'm certain or if, if there's reasonable uh, uh, certainty that this is not going to, you know, crash in the next Black Swan event. Uh, no idea if that's possible. I'm not uh, an economic expert, but that's what I think could be a good solution to get stable value while still not relying on, um, on yeah, essentially fiat currencies, but on Bitcoin. Banking system. <laughs> the banking cartel. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, Barney, does, that truly does sound like a shit show. I, I guess Swift should should switch their name to, to shit network and then Swift network, because from <laughs> your experience, definitely things weren't very swift, right? No, not swift at all. They should just, I, I, maybe that will happen that they're using a blockchain based system because I, I have no idea why they're even using this old system that takes five days to send a transfer and involves 10 intermediaries and they all want a small cut of the pie when they can just use a blockchain based system, which will give them the opportunity to, uh, to verify a transaction without those insane amount of intermediaries. So um yeah let's see if the banks are smart enough to do that well i i think you you asked the you asked the question and, and you answered it yourself why do they not use the blockchain well in that case all those middle middlemen they don't get their cut and um, i guess there's a lot of middlemen that's why it takes three to five working days for the sending bank to send the details to the intermediary bank to check that the sender really has the funds that he wants to send then the intermediary bank connects the receiving bank it's just like it's an insane chain and you know when we talk also about and maybe we could touch just briefly on it kind of the the environmental aspect of bitcoin which for uh, as i'm sure you're aware for for numerous years it was always bitcoin was seen as this earth killer and you know waste of energy but you know the big picture and the big uh scheme of things if you look at how much energy is being burnt and, and carbon is being emitted by the banking system which is so inefficient and takes so long and so many resources and so much manpower and just generally waste of money that in that case i guess bitcoin is very green when you compare it to that no w what would you say yeah no 100 percent. i think this narrative that bitcoin is like uh so bad for the environment is pretty stupid and that's just to politicize bitcoin uh in my opinion because if you look at the facts um it's actually that bitcoin is mostly used by uh it's mostly using green energy is actually pushing the adoption of green energy technologies because it's the most efficient way if you use mm. solar if you buy solar panels uh to to run bitcoin miners um, you're saving money in the end because you have one investment and that will run your Bitcoins and uh, Bitcoin miners. And then you're making a ton of money without having to buy electricity. So that's why a lot of miners actually um, want to use uh, renewable energies to mine and it's worth it for them to upgrade. 
Um, so this is a good thing. And also, if, if you look at the value it provides, um, it's a pretty good deal, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I don't think really that this is a, a serious narrative to, to uh, yeah, to, to basically spread. Yeah, well, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I mean, you mentioned just one example of, of using renewable energy to, to, to mine Bitcoin, but apart from solar, there's wind turbines, there is tidal energy, there is, as we see in Salvador, they're building a whole state-of-the-art mining facility on top of a volcano using volcano energy, and who knows what's going to be next, you know, before you know it, the country is going to be using nuclear power uh, for, for, for mining and whatnot, but... I think, yeah, I, I mean, in, in the world where we are slowly shifting to renewable energy and and especially in cases, you know, where, where you have excess energy and, and in many countries, the government doesn't pay you if, if you're producing more energy, uh, it does make sense to, to put that excess energy to use. And if you can mine Bitcoin and essentially make the network more resilient, uh, increase the hash power and, and mine some Bitcoin on the site, no matter if you're an individual, a company, a government, I mean, in the long run, it, it does make a lot of sense. So I think this this narrative also with the environmental impact is slowly shifting. Um, as we've seen in, in the last several months, this whole, so to say, current hype of the big ETFs coming in and the names of BlackRock and Vanguard and, and all these major Wall Street big boys that are applying for, for their ETF license to roll out their own ETF Bitcoin instruments we are slowly seeing a shift in in the narrative that bitcoin actually is a more kind of green energy and, and kind of sustainable payment solution than, than to legacy markets have, have you noticed that yeah i mean i'm not too really i'm i'm not following the, these developments too much i think it's very difficult to to draw your conclusions um that and and you know know that this is what's likely going to happen in that sense so um i'm really i'm i'm really curious to to figure to find out what's going to happen uh in in the next few months and years but i think it's this whole industry and and generally the financial world is so dynamic and there's so many players uh with different interests and 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 obviously also politicians with different uh views on everything um, it's going to be exciting to see what's what's exactly going to happen, um, but I wouldn't bet my money on on anything. I mean, I would bet money on Bitcoin. That's what I'm literally doing, um, <laughs> but not my life savings, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, that's one thing I I learned. Even things where you think they are very likely to happen, um, or like extremely sure they will happen, can just not happen. Uh, so. Yeah, that's my view of it. Totally agree. And yeah, to, to all the listeners to the podcast who, who are not yet in, so to say, don't have their first Satoshis and, and are considering to start accumulating, definitely, as uh, Barney said, uh, don't, don't, don't go ham, don't go all in with all of your life savings at one point. Um, start, you know, a good strategy is just dollar cost averaging, putting the 50 euro, the 100 euro, the 500 euro, whatever you feel comfortable, whatever won't tamper your lifestyle. Uh, just just keep buying on, on a monthly basis, weekly basis, whatever you prefer, and just st slowly start accumulating. But yeah, definitely don't go all in and and uh, and be thinking, you know, it's it's flowery days because if 
as you said, Barney, if we have another swan event and Bitcoin dips, as it has in, in historically, you know, it can fall 50 to even 80 percent um, retracement. You don't want to be kind of putting your life and your family's life into jeopardy. So definitely stacks that slowly um, and continuously. But um, I think we covered a lot of the interesting points on on this episode. I guess the, the one of the last things I wanted to, to touch upon and and hear your opinion and hear your experience talking about kind of going back to to your beginning of the journey with Bitcoin where you used it as a means of payment. Um, and as we see a lot more development on layer two solutions on, on top of Bitcoin and one in particular, which actually isn't that new anymore. It's been around for some five, six years now, but actually in the last 12 months, it is picking up um, a, a, a lot of um, attention and especially with, I'm not going to go into ordinals and NFTs on the Bitcoin blockchain. We, we can leave that for another time, but with, with that phenomena happening, the fees went super high um, on, on Bitcoin on-chain and Lightning um, is is the layer two that I wanted to touch a little bit upon. Um, kind of came out as a solution in, in these high traffic and, and kind of congested uh, times of Bitcoin. And I wanted to ask you, Barney, what's your opinion on, on Lightning? Have you used it? Um, and, and how do you see kind of the, the future use of Lightning and potentially even other layer two solutions? Um, yeah, so obviously Bitcoin, the regular Bitcoin network is not the most efficient network to do transactions on. And if you want to use it as like a new type of money for small transactions, you have to have a solution like Lightning Network. Um, personally, I haven't used it yet. I didn't see the need because when I, I don't buy small things with crypto. Mm. Um, I don't use it as a payment method for small things. I sometimes use it for bigger things or for, for business services. Um, and there you don't really need it because you just use, uh, use CT yeah, ah, and yeah, you use strong network, um, or you could use, uh, regular Bitcoin, of course. Um, but yeah, so I think it is really needed. I would like to try it out to see how easy it is to use. Um, in my mind, you know, it's. It seems a bit more complicated than just sending USDT via the Tron network, for example. But at the same time, obviously, it has different safety implications. Um, and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm getting it wrong and it's actually a lot easier than I think. I was sometimes I'm really surprised by how far we've come. Like uh, last year or early this year, I'm not, I don't remember when exactly. I was using, uh, I was getting some coins on Algorand from another client that we had. Um, and I was uh, claiming these coins or something on, on, on some Algorand wallet. And at first it seemed super complicated uh, to download the wallet and send this there. Um, but it actually turned out to be extremely easy. Uh, and I was really surprised. So maybe that's the same with, um, with Lightning. Um, I, I would certainly like to try it uh, one day. Well, uh, ne 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 next time we, we meet, definitely I'll, I'll, I'll have to install Wallet of Satoshi on, on your phone and, and zap you some sats over Lightning so, so that you see it in, in, in first hand. And I mean, if I can add my, my two Satoshis to this, I, I actually do use it not on a regular basis because in, in my native country, most places don't accept Bitcoin, but uh, the few places that do accept, I'm always happy to, to pay in, in, in Lightning. And actually, the the terms of use and kind of user friendliness in my kind of my experience it's it's 
it's much easier on Lightning than, for example, sending any stable coin on, on any non-custodial phone wallet because, as you mentioned, Tron or Ethereum or whichever blockchain you're going to use, you need to have that native token for gas fees, right? So if you have some Bitcoin sitting there and you want to transact it or, US, no, sorry, uh, stable coin, you need to have that, um, sort of say, native country made uh, blockchain made be Tron or Ethereum or BNB or whatever it is um, in order to transact. And, and if you run out of it, um, it could kind of make your job much more harder. Whereas with, with the Bitcoin network and, and Lightning, there is no kind of the fee is taken out from the transaction. So there's no additional kind of um, coin solutions that you need in order to transact, if, if that makes sense. So yeah. in, in my experience, I mean, Lightning is really Lightning. And, and, you know, as much as people talk about it is one thing, but as we know with humans, we need to experience things. And, and, and when you actually firsthand experience it and, and get your first batch of Satoshi zoomed, then it's like, it's instant. You'll see Barney, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. Uh, the fact that it happened so fast and as you said, micropayments, I think, you know, if you want to go to Starbucks and, and get your latte, mocha, whatever you drink and you know, and you need to pay the three, four dollars or euros, it doesn't really make sense to be using Bitcoin on chain, but with lightning, it's essentially there's minimal fee and it's instant payment. Um, so definitely as we progress into a more kind of Bitcoin hyperization and, and kind of Bitcoin adoption across the world, I think um, Lightning will definitely step in and, and fill in that void for micropayments um, or even tipping people online, right? Like we see the the, the coming up of Noster and, and other decentralized platforms where you can tip people in, in, in Satoshis. Lightning is such an easier and, and more convenient solution than, you know, tipping a few bucks with, with on-chain. So... We're still yet to see where we're early on, as you mentioned, uh, you thought you were late getting into Bitcoin when it was under a thousand dollars. Here we are today at around $30,000 and who knows where it'll be tomorrow and the year after. And actually, you know, there's no point of, of looking at the price um, of, of fiat and comparing it to, to Satoshi's. The, the best advice is start stacking Satoshi's because that is going to be much more useful than how many euros or dollars or Japanese yen or, or, or Indian rupees you have. Um, it, it's all about preserving one, one Bitcoin will be one Bitcoin forever. So I think that's an important fact to, to leave the listeners on, but I guess, um, Barney, um, any last kind of remarks or anything you want to leave our listeners with, um, or your kind of piece of advice from, from your Bitcoin journey? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, can, uh -huh. no, 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 so, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I would say if you, uh, if you have Bitcoin or crypto and you haven't used it as payment yet, uh, I highly suggest to try it out. There are lots of stores, uh, nowadays online, um, and offline also a growing number that accept, uh, crypto. Um, and I think it's important, especially if you, if you have like from, from a bull market or after a bull market, you have savings and lots of savings in crypto, definitely also use them to buy some stuff. It's a nice feeling. Um, if you go to the dark net, don't use Bitcoin, uh, definitely use Monero. Um, which I think is also kind of interesting that Monero is not really talked about, uh, in the crypto community that much anymore, even though it's a really central coin, 
uh, with great architecture. It's very fast. It's very cheap. It's anonymous. So I think this is a coin which is kind of underrated, but that's uh, maybe a story for another day. So yeah, uh, I'll, 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 we'll see. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe we can find a Witcher Monero story podcast. So, so, yeah. so we can hear it. <laughs> Good idea. I think it will be much more controversial than what's your Bitcoin story. <laughs> well, perfect. Well, again, Barney, thanks a lot for taking the time. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on, um, hearing your story, he hearing your kind of philosophy on crypto and Bitcoin um, in, in general and, and kind of your side of the story. And yeah, we would love to have you back in the future. Um, and as things progress, I'm, I'm sure um, there'll be some interesting new stories to add into uh, your Bitcoin story. But uh, yeah, once again, thanks a lot for taking the time to, to come on the show. And uh, it was a pleasure hearing your story, Barney. Thanks, Gigi. Take care. All the best. Speak to you soon. Thanks a lot for listening to today's episode of What Is Your Bitcoin Story. We hope you found it interesting and insightful. Now, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure to share it with your family and friends to try and get the word out and inform people about this revolutionary technology as much as possible. Do tune in back next week as we will be releasing weekly episodes. And of course, if you have any suggestions for future guests, feel free to shoot us an email and definitely do visit our website, which is whatisyourbitcoinstory.com. Once again, thank you for your time and we will see you on the next one.